We're going to get started with a scripture reading, and uh, this will come from the book of Romans, chapter 12. Jeff's got the reading this morning. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of the Lord. Good morning. <laughs> well, a happy All Saints Day to all of you. Um, as Jordan mentioned, even though today is not All Saints Day, we celebrate All Saints Day. And today's a day we celebrate the lives of those who have gone before us, whose faith has had a lasting impact on the life of the church or in our own lives. The term saint is a term the early church used to describe all those walking in the way of Jesus. All those walking in the way of Jesus, which means, of course, that we gathered together walking in the way of Jesus are all God's saints. But today in particular, we honor those that have gone before us, either in distant past or in recent past, who've been impactful to us. So what I want to explore with you this morning is something important to the life of a saint, which is the discipline of discernment. The spiritual discipline of discernment. Discernment is a spiritual discipline that includes other practices that allow us to hear from God as we walk with God. It's similar to examine in what our spiritual practice is this month in that there's this spiritual sorting happening, but it's a bit different in that it includes other practices, right? And our morning readings, our readings this morning help paint a picture for this, okay? So our readings... We're a bit different than what we normally do. We started in Romans 1 and then jumped to 12, right? I know that's a bit different, but jumping from 1 to 12 allows us to hold these two ideas. The idea, the call to be a saint, to walk in the way of Jesus, and the call to practice discernment, to listen to what God is trying to say to us. So the call to be a saint, the call to practice discernment, right? Now, anytime the Apostle Paul would write a letter, Okay, this, this happens often. Anytime he would write a letter, he tended to follow a pattern for how he would start a letter and how he would end a letter. He didn't do it every single time, but it was enough to be considered a pattern. He would always start his letters by saying, to all those gathered together, to all the saints gathered together in such and such place, to all the saints gathered at Corinth or Ephesus or Philippi. And in the case of Romans, he says, to all those called to be saints, God's grace and peace be with you, okay? And the Greek word he would use there for saints is agios, which means holy. So he was addressing them as the holy ones of Rome, the holy ones of a such and such place. For Paul and the others in the early church, they were God's holy people. And they weren't holy as in ethically or ritually perfect, right? But they were holy by following the way of Jesus. And because in, in following the way of Jesus, they were following the way of God. No longer did the Jewish practices of ritual cleansing and, Jew, and temple worship, that was no longer needed for accessing God. Instead, following the way of Jesus was the way of accessing God. And by doing so, that made them holy. They were God's holy people. They were his saints. Okay? Paul would always, often go on to end his letters by saying to the community, as he did in, in, the, in the Romans, 
It is my hope that you may discern what is the will of God for your lives. It's my hope that you may discern what is the will of God for your lives. Paul was leading them into something that he experienced often himself. For Paul, God was always at work trying to say something to his people. Say something to his people, both individually and collectively. Right? Paul's encouragement reminds me of what Chris McDaniel said to us earlier this month. Chris said to us earlier, God has a plan for your life. Right? But another way I think to say this is that God has a hope for your life. A will, a desire, a purpose, a longing to see you enter into the things that he has for you. Hopes to forgive you, to heal you, restore you, cleanse you of the things you carry, bless you and prosper you, right? Paul was trying to, leading them, trying to lead them into that, that God is always trying to say something to them and say something to you. For us to receive that, we need to cultivate an awareness of it. We need to cultivate a discipline of listening. Discernment is the spiritual discipline of listening to what God has to say to us. The Greek word for discernment is dokimatso, and it's translated in various contexts as to prove, to test, or to examine, right? Henry Nouwen has a book on discernment, literally called discernment, which was very convenient for me this morning, made life very easy. He says that a spiritual uh, discernment is a spiritual understanding in an experiential knowledge of how God is active in daily life, which is acquired through disciplined spiritual practice. It's a faithful listening to God's love and direction so that we can fulfill our individual calling and shared mission. The spiritual understanding and experiential knowledge of God's activity can be acquired through a collection of practices. Now one would put forward two habits, I'm gonna call them habits, of gaining that spiritual insight. The first practice, these are, there's nothing new, we've heard this many times before. The first habit is seeking solitude. Put simply, this is time alone with God, with God, the one seeking you out, trying to say something to you, creating time with God. The second habit is engaging community. Engaging community, gathering together as one body for mutual support, accountability, and encouragement. Now one would say, we learn to discern what God is saying by living out the challenge of the gospel together. Okay? So solitude and community. We're going we're to come back to these in just a minute. Okay? All right. So we're going to shift our focus just a little bit. We're going to shift our focus. We've spent a little time exploring the call to be a saint and the call to listen. Now we're going to explore how we can listen. Okay? How we can listen. So this is going to start to feel a bit more practical. I want to build on now and here a bit by sharing something with all of you that was really impactful to me in my life, okay? There's an Episcopal priest by the name of Urban T. Holmes, uh, who's an author and a professor. He wrote a small book called The History of Christian Spirituality. And in it, he made some observations that can help us understand ourselves and help us adopt some practices of listening. In it, he said there are two contributing factors for how people encounter God, two contributing factors. These two factors don't take into consideration religious experience or background or any of those things. It tries to take into account, tries to capture how you meet God in the moment, okay? The first contributing factor is what do you use? What do you use to experience God, right? Holmes would say you can really only use one of two things. 
You can, to experience God, you can either use words or you don't use words. To experience God, you can use words or you don't use words. The fancy church term for using words is called cataphatic spirituality. The fancy church word for not using words is called apophatic spirituality. I name that to let you know that Holmes is borrowing from a long, deep tradition that exists in the church. He's not just making this up himself. Okay, so using words. Using words is like praying over scripture, reading scripture, verbalized prayers, listening to music, observing art, spiritual writing, reading works like now and. You are using words to facilitate an encounter with God, either written, spoken, or read. It can also be objects, objects and symbols. The Eucharist as an object conveying something from God that says, you are welcome at my table, and that invitation never expires. You are always welcome at my table. So using words. Not using words, the other side of this tension, is a form of emptying prayer, of wordless emptying prayer, where you're emptying your heart, your mind, and body of all the things that draw you away from God, right? Things like wordless breath prayers, centering prayer, things like that. This one is a bit difficult for us to understand in Western Christianity because we love our words, we love writing, we love speaking, we love reading, but this form of prayer is particularly prominent in Eastern Christianity and monastic Christianity, where that's something they frequently do in their worship, in their time alone with God. Breath prayer, for example, right? Breath prayer, for example, you're not using words or objects to facilitate an encounter. Instead, you're using your breathing to dictate an encounter. When you breathe in, you are taking in the Spirit of God, the love of God, the presence of God, and as you breathe out, you're casting out the things that you hold on to that is restricting you and preventing you from access God. So it's, it's wordless, and it's emptying, right? So, what do you use? Do you use words, or do you not use words? That's, that's the first contributing factor. Now, the second contributing factor is how do you respond? When you hear that word from God, however that may be, how do you respond? Do you receive that word in your mind? Do you receive it in your heart? Does it hit you in your mind, or does it hit you in your heart? For example, when I hear the words of God, you are not alone and my presence will go with you, I think to myself, I am not alone, God is present with me, I can construct a theological perspective around that and I can build family values and personal values of community and connection around that and go about my life at peace knowing that God is present with me. But when I feel alone and I'm feeling powerlessness and loneliness and a darkness around me, and I hear those words that you are not alone and the community I'm a part of comes to be present with me, then I feel that word from God and it fills me with a peace that my mind could never do, right? So how do you respond in your mind or in your heart? So, so what does that do? What does that do for us? This is what Holmes built. It helps us visualize the different ways that we experience God. Everybody is different. Everyone is different, and you may experience different things at different seasons of your life, okay? So now going back to the discipline of discernment and the question of how can we listen to God, well, let me ask you, how do you experience God, okay? Do you like to use words or not use words? And when you hear that word, does it hit you in your mind or does it hit you in your heart? Now, if you're like most people in the church, 
and you use words or objects and it resonates with you in your mind, this is a thinking spirituality, okay? A thinking spirituality. This space values thought and knowledge. It focuses on studying and learning, okay? For this space, practices to do in solitude can be a personal Bible study, doing the daily office, a theological study or reflection, okay? Community practices of this expression are Bible study groups, book study groups, and so on, okay? I tend to dwell in this space often in my life, but what prompted me in this space was a faith crisis that I experienced in my own life when everything that I believed and held to was getting shattered and discredited, and I was in that space and I had no idea what to believe. What pulled me out of that was things like Anglican liturgy, writings from the early church, prayers from the daily office that guided me out of that faith crisis from a thinking spirituality. Now, what if you like to use words and objects but it resonates with you in your heart, okay? This is a feeling spirituality. This type of prayer life is intuitive, expressive, and experiential. It focuses on connection, relationality, and personal experience. Practices in solitude can be listening to music, using images, intercessory prayer, verbal prayers to God just in your alone time, or journaling. Journaling is something that's been very powerful to me in my life. It brings me out of my head. I am transferring raw, unfiltered thoughts to words on a page, and as I'm doing that, I find that God shows up in the things I'm feeling. I'm reminded of a word from God that brings me back to what, what I'm wrestling with, right? So community practices for this expression can be sharing a meal together, being a part of a group that shares life stories or burdens and struggles. A lot of us do a lot of these things already. House Church is a, is a great place that we express this. I know there's other groups that happen in this church that do similar things. Okay, okay. so now let's say we experience God and we don't use words. We gravitate towards this emptying of the self in your time with God, okay? And as you don't use words, it impacts your mind. This is a doing spirituality. This space values action, service, a kingdom-focused perspective. They desire to see the kingdom of God lived out. If you serve here at church, I know it can be a long day, I know a lot of people put a lot of effort into making all this happen. But for me, I find that when I, when I participate in that effort, at 2 o'clock on a Sunday when it's nap time and I'm about to crash, I just find a strange warmth come over me that says, it was good to serve God's people and I can rest in peace knowing that, that God's people were served. It's a doing spirituality, Right? Solitude practices of this may include going out into nature, going on a walk or a run, a hike, observing God in nature like the mountains or a sunrise. Morgan and I, I've mentioned this before, we're Floridians at heart. We love the beach. We can spend hours on the beach. But one thing that's, that's beautiful about the beach is that we experience something different. It's, there's the sights, the sounds, the smells bring us to another place and remind us of the, the vast presence of God in our lives. Okay. Community practices of this space can be volunteering at church, mission work, going on a hike with a group of people, or advocacy work that serves other members of the community. Okay. And the last one, if you don't use words but it affects you in your heart, this is a being spirituality. This is a bit tough to talk about, tough to explain. But this space values union with God using stillness and silence. 
It focuses on union with God through emptying yourself of all the things that draw you away from God. Solitude practices this for this conclude breath prayer, a wordless breath prayer, centering prayer. I think Lectio Divina is interesting because it ends here in this place. If you have ever done Lectio Divina, it's a process where you use Scripture to, to allow yourself to be immersed in the presence of God. But by the end of that process, it's always be still and rest in the presence of God, knowing that God is with you, right? It becomes this being spirituality. Community practices for this. I struggled with this a little bit. Um, I put a group retreat. Um, I put that because I had the chance to go on a silent retreat at Monastery of the Holy Spirit earlier this summer to go be around people who valued silence, emptying yourself, and that was a really meaningful experience for me. So, so anyhow, so this creates, there's a lot of words, and I know, and I, I apologize, but this creates a model for our language with God, a way of listening to God, right? Where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself? Is there a space here that you find is comfortable, that you dwell in often? Where is your spouse in this, or someone in your family, or someone you serve with? Are you in a season of your life where you feel like you've dwelt too long into one of these places and you need to move into something else and practice another practice? The truth is, I think we are all these things. We are not just one, but we are mind, heart, body, and soul. We are all these things. And then this isn't an attempt to confine God to a model but instead to explain who we are as people. We are mind, heart, body, and soul. You can dwell in one of these places, but you can experience God in any of, of these other places. Right? So, friends, as we close here on All Saints Day, what I want to say to you is that God is always speaking to you. God is always speaking to you, speaking to you to give you words of hope, words of love, words of goodwill. Take the time to listen and however you feel that that might be. And as we look at ways that we can listen, as we look at this model, I have to tell you what I see in here is I see all of you, everyone in our community. As, we were putting, as I was putting this together, I thought, I see everybody in our community represented here. I see saints who experience God through study and reflection. I see saints with the gift of music and a heart for prayer and hospitality. I see saints who are doers and gifted servants that give their hearts and lives to, these communi to this community. And I see saints who are mystics and contemplatives, reminding us to be still and rest. Take the time to listen to God, but also take the time to listen and to learn from each other, your fellow saints. Amen.